Hey guys, welcome to the SaaS Sessions podcast, uh, which is India's number one SaaS-focused podcast. I'm Sunil, your host for today, and I'm hosting the awesome Leon Martin today. So, welcome Leon on the show. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, uh, Liam, can you tell us more about yourself and you know how your journey's been like? Sure. So, uh, very short version. My name is Liam Martin, human being. Um, more specifically, human being in Ottawa, Canada, which is in between Montreal and Toronto. And I am the co-founder of two SaaS products, TimeDoctor.com and Staff.com. I'm also the co-organizer of the largest conference on remote work, which is Running Remote. That's amazing. I, I, I just had a question, you know, when I heard about you and I got to know that you, know, you own Staff.com. I mean, when did you get the domain? And, you know, any, any person, any marketer would be like, you know, hey, how did you get the domain and when did you get it? So you had to pay for it. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> clearly, uh, so there's, those types of domains are no longer available, unfortunately. But you do right. have to pay for it. And usually a, a four to five um, wor- uh, letter domain is probably going to cost anywhere from 50000 to 2 to $3 million. Uh, we paid, I believe... 400 and something thousand us for the staff.com domain so it was very expensive and it was a very big branding decision for us right i mean i mean that that drives traffic organically (laughs) yes actually at the very beginning of when we bought the domain we i believe we were second place for the keyword staff which actually didn't Mm -hmm. really convert to much um because people were honestly just not looking for have 20,000 searches a month and be second place for something that's got such high um, search volume. Sure. So Time Doctor and Staff.com are both tools to be able to manage remote teams. So we personally have about 100 remote employees in 32 different countries all over the world. And what our software does is it's a task management system to be able to know what you're working on and break it down in very easily to consume chunks and then have that data reported back to the main company. So as an example, right now I'm working on podcast and I'm going to put that inside of all of my other podcasts that I've done. I've done 387 up until right now, um, since the beginning of when I was using Time Doctor, mm-hmm. and then I can analyze that data and know how long did it take me to do a podcast, how much money did I, did I use, including myself, to be able to actually deploy this, what were the results, and then even I have connected people like Vaishali, as an example, who was the person that scheduled this call, how much of her time was spent to be able to get this particular task uh, completed. So we know exactly what's happening and exactly how much stuff costs inside of the business. That's one side of it. The secondary part, which is a little bit more exciting, is we use a lot of machine learning and artificial intelligence to be able to analyze how you work and then be able to tell you how you can actually work better. So think of it kind of almost as like Fitbit for work. So you can know exactly how hard you're working, and you can also know, well, if you make these small little changes inside of your workday, you might double or triple your productivity. That's amazing. And it, I think it's, in, in general sense, it's more like an ROI calculator for yourself. 
that's an even better way to say it. I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, coming back to the point that, you know, uh, owning that domain staff.com and having so much organic traffic. So I, I believe that you grow your traffic from, you know, 12K organically to 120K in under two years. So moving your, you, you know, getting that staff.com domain, was that one of the main strategy or uh, behind this? Or, you know, what were some of the strategies that worked for you? Uh, some of the strategies for us were generally just at the end of the day, it is building a really good product. And a lot of people don't really see that as the point. And um, my personal feeling is when you look at the ecosystem for paid acquisition and even SEO and all the other user acquisition strategies that currently exist, most of them are getting more expensive or just are already prohibitively expensive. So Facebook ads, as an example, when we started, are probably 10x more expensive than when we started. So we just can't acquire those users at the same rate. So what I've realized is if you have a very good product, uh, referrals is really the thing that you should optimize for mm -hmm. all the time. So about 60 to 70% of our business model is just referrals. And that's making the customer happy, making sure that you have a good support team, a good customer success team in place, and then getting them to love the product and then tell their friends about the product. And um, that is, and I wish I, I could tell you a more complicated way to do it or a cool hack to be able to make that work, but that really just boils down to making a lot of iterative product decisions over months and years to be able to get to the point in which the product becomes sticky. That's, that's amazing and that's very interesting. I mean, I totally agree with the point that, you know, uh, referrals are the key. If your product is good and you have, uh, you know, people telling other people that, you know, hey, have you tried this product? I think that's, that works for the best. And, you know, so in terms of SEO, what would you say, you know, what are some of the best practices that you followed? Like a sure. couple of best practices to follow uh, for when you're doing SEO. So in terms of SEO, I think when you see the uh, current user acquisition ecosystem, if you plan on owning the business for more than 10 years, SEO is by far the cheapest user acquisition method of any of the other top-down user acquisition methods that are currently available to us. So for us, what we do is we really run this down methodologically. Uh, so we have a I basically have three direct reports, which is I have my content editor, my SEO manager, and then I have a SEO consultant, and actually technically I also have my head of research. So those four people directly report to me, and from those people, the content editor, as an example, has about 20 to 30 writers below him. The SEO manager has a team of about a dozen linkers, the research manager has about six or seven researchers. So usually it's one researcher to two linkers. And what we'll do is every month we identify all of our keyword opportunities that we're going to roll out over the next month. We send that bounty out to the writers as contracts. The writers write it. They bring it back to the content editor. Uh, then that, or sorry, the SEO manager, the SEO manager prepares it for launch then it goes to the researching team. And what the researching team does is we use a tool called Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S.com. And yeah. 
inside, it's a very well-known SEO tool. Inside of that tool, you don't just identify who are the top 10 people in the SERPs for that keyword. So let's say like online collaboration tools, which I think we're still number one for. Um, we would identify everyone that's in the SERPs for the, you know, the top 20 results for online collaboration tools. And we would grab those links. And what we would do is then find out who linked to those links. And that usually works out to about uh -huh. 500 to 2,000 people. Right. We link those people into a tool called BuzzStream. And we send out an email saying, hey, Liam, this is, uh, you know, this is me from Time Doctor. I have this particular article that uh, I know that you've actually linked to. Here's the article that you linked to. And we would love it if you could also link to our article as well. Now, I understand that you get a lot of these emails. And before we even get into that, we looked at your website and we've recognized that you really want to rank for uh, Upwork reviews as an example. And it looks like you're fourth for Upwork reviews. We just right. happen to have an article that, or a blog post that we think that you could really have a fantastic backlink on and we've already put the backlink in. You can check it. Here's the link to be able to confirm that we linked to that Upwork article. So what we're doing inside of that email is we're doing a little bit more research than what the average linker would do. And more importantly, we're giving them something before we even ask for anything back. And right. that has been the real thing that's been the killer for us. We went from about a 2 to 5% success rate for our email campaigns uh, for outreach, and we've gone up to, I think, about a 15% success rate. So we've more than 3x out of links yeah. that we're getting back. Um, and that, in essence, allows us to be able to queue in all of these blog posts. And generally for us, um, I believe we have a 60% top 10 SERP rate for all of the keywords that we go after. So 60% of the keywords that we go after, within six months, we end up being somewhere in the top 10 um, for those particular keywords, which is a major variable for us. Also, at the end of the month, the way that we measure success for everybody to an individual linker is um, a metric that we call cumulative domain authority. So inside of Ahrefs and SEOmoz, there's a metric called domain authority, which is a number from one to 100 to define how powerful your website is. So if you're Google, you're 100. If you're just a regular website that's starting out, you're probably a one or a two. And it's very, if you just told a linker, go get me links, they would get you links from really low DA websites because it's much easier to get a link from a DA 10 than a DA 80. But what we do is we reward people by saying, well, if you get a DA80 link, that counts as 80 points for your cumulative domain authority. So you can go after a DA10 and you'll get 10 points, or you can go after a DA80 and you get 80 points. At the end of the month, we basically put all of those numbers together and we find out who has uh, the highest cumulative domain authority and they get a nice tasty bonus for the month. So we, in essence, run it just like a sales team. Uh -huh. That's amazing. Uh, I mean... This is to anyone who is listening now. This is like a great hack, which I'm just you know put out. I'm not sure it's out there on any article or any other video, but yeah, you should definitely you know try this something like this. And you know, so Liam, going back to the point that you know you have like four people reporting to you, and then there are a bunch of people who are working with them. So you know, how did it go for you know staff setup that is completely remote for 
for you. Uh, how did the structure come together? Yeah. How did you go for a staff setup? I mean, which is com working completely remotely. Yeah. So for us, remote first has always been something that we've been passionate about. So our tool serves remote teams. Uh, my previous business before I worked on Time Doctor was a remote first team. So remote has always kind of been part of my life. But <clears throat> more importantly than that, it's probably one of the best ways to be able to improve employee happiness in productivity and also increase retention, which is one of the things that not many people really mention, which is actually very important for employers. Remote workers on average have a 30% higher retention rate than their on-premise counterparts. So that means that you are going to have 30% less people getting fired or quitting inside a remote first company. And every time you terminate someone, at least in the United States, it costs $42,000 to replace them. So incredibly expensive and something that a lot of employers uh, see as a huge tactical advantage in the industry. That's amazing. And how, how are, exactly are you managing the scale with you know, having so many remote employees? Very, very carefully. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's, I mean, it's always a challenge. That's actually why one of the reasons why we started running remote was it was difficult for us to be able to find answers to the questions that we had for building remote companies at scale. So there are very few companies right now that are currently doing, let's say, more than a thousand headcount in remote first organizations. And so we were really trying to learn more about that. <clears throat> and that's, in essence, why we started the conference. Um, there's a whole bunch of, I mean, we could go into hours about how you should structure everything, but if I can give you a broad overview in terms of how remote businesses are different from on-premise ones is remote businesses have to act like large businesses a lot faster. So you need a lot of operational process documentation in place to be able to make that work. Uh, there, that sounds like a lot of work and it is, but a great hack for that is if you go to the GitLab handbook, if you just type in GitLab handbook on Google, mm -hmm. you'll find a 3,200 page operational process document for everything that GitLab does for their 700 plus employees. So if you wanna know how to run a sales demo, it's in that document. If you wanna know what your stock options are gonna be when you join the company, it's in that document. So they have all of their standard operating procedures in there and um, you're encouraged to steal them and copy them for yourself. So you need operational processes. You also need to be able to communicate more. So that's one of the things that a lot of people or purposeful communication is more important. So right now we're chatting on Zoom. You can use that, you can use Skype, whatever it is. I suggest you turn your webcam on because having your camera on is always a lot more powerful than having uh, it off. You pick up on a lot of the nonverbal cues that you wouldn't have otherwise taken. And then the third thing that I think is most important when you're at scale at least, and my definition of that would be more than 100 people, uh, is you really need to start to do yearly team retreats. So we do a yearly team retreat every single year where everyone flies into one location. Last year we did it in Bali, the year before that we did it in Boracay, uh, which is in the Philippines. And it just allows everyone to kind of have a very focused week or two weeks in which we can work together and um, figure out what we're going to do for the next year. And there's a lot of like alignment conversations right. that go on at that point. 
that's amazing uh, you know i just went ahead and bookmarked the gitlab handbook for myself it's <laughs> pretty awesome yeah i can say it <laughs> so you know so liam what if uh, i'm sure you might have had a lot of challenges initially or maybe even now that you know running while running this whole big team remotely so you know can you tell some of your challenges that you know we had and then you overcame these challenges yeah so in terms of just i think the probably the biggest challenge in general with remote teams that we've shared is lack of communication and to be honest with you one of the other things that is is a debate that's going on right now is synchronous versus asynchronous communication so as an example i have my phone with me on my right. phone i have slack and there is a um there's a channel on slack that is called emergency and if someone puts a message in that emergency chat it rings all of our phones that are on that channel so emergency means something horrible has happened everyone right. wake up right now we need to solve this problem mm-hmm. and i remember i got a phone call at about 3 o'clock in the morning and i woke up and uh it was the it was the message that no saas founder ever wants to get which is the servers are down oh. everything's down mm-hmm. and uh within about 15 minutes i think we had 815 support tickets in the queue uh so it was a it was a disaster um i'm not going to lie we probably lost a million a little over a million in arr just from that 18 hour downtime so we had basically our servers were down for 18 hours and um it's the biggest biggest problem that we've ever had with the software in the history of the business and i remember answering tickets till about 6:00 in the morning so i went from 3:00 a.m. to 6:00 a.m. and i actually had uh, my director of support who called me and said hey can you stop answering tickets because you don't know the procedures and you're actually creating more damage than you're helping and the entire team is up right now they'll be able to answer these tickets please right. stop doing this but i felt powerless because i wasn't a developer it wasn't my job the only thing that i could do was answer tickets and i was doing it badly so that's an example of where synchronous communication is actually a very negative thing and the argument is that you should shut off your phone there should be a certain amount of time that you're working and then a certain amount of time that you're not working and there's there's a very good argument for that um for asynchronous versus synchronous and this is one of those debates that we're currently having right now i would probably say in the vast majority of first companies synchronous communication is the way to go with the rise of slack unfortunately slack is a fantastic tool but it comes at a cost which is you need to actually disconnect from work to be more productive which right. is somewhat counterintuitive but um there's a lot of data to be able to back that up so uh it's there are a couple solutions to that there's a tool called twist which um my friend amir who runs todoist which is a massive task management app that's his next big project but twist is built entirely on the premise that there should be asynchronous communication meaning there should be significant barriers towards bothering someone and right. ensure that they can work productively so th- those are some of the biggest challenges that we have and there are new challenges that are always popping up the thing that's so interesting with running remote is i've been able to meet all of these fantastic founders running 
eight, nine figure remote first tech companies and they all do things differently. So amazing kind of blew me away. And it actually showed me that everyone probably isn't doing it perfectly. And there's a huge opportunity within the next few years to come up with some standard operating procedures on how to build and scale a remote team and we'll even become more productive. That sounds amazing. And yeah, I totally agree, you know, and you know, I think I go with the saying that if you slack too much, you slack too much. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite good. I love that. Yeah. So I think I I agree with you that, you know, communication is the key when you're working remotely and, uh, you know, and particularly if you have a very large uh, percentage of remote staff and you know if if that's not you know properly taken care of then you know blunders like just like you mentioned these might happen so you know what what is uh are there some of the processes that you follow for communication to keep things streamlined like you know just like you mentioned that you know you should work for a certain amount of time and then you should not work for a certain amount of time and uh, so you dedicate your time just for working remote, right? So some, some, are there any processes or some strategy you have set up for your team, which have been, you know, working out for you? Yeah. So we have uh, what I call the hierarchy of communication in remote teams. So it is, and I remember if I've got this off by heart, uh, if I've memorized this, <clears throat> in person is better than video, video is better than audio. Audio is better than instant messaging. Instant messaging is better than uh, email. And that's the hierarchy of communication. So generally, you always want to move up the hierarchy of communication. So talking to someone face-to-face is obviously better than doing it through video. I think anyone right. would agree with that. Right. There is, however, a significant cost to that, which is um, you would have to fly to Canada to be able to, for us to be able to have a conversation in person, and it's probably going to be a couple thousand dollars for us to be able to do this podcast. It's significantly cheaper. It costs us literally pennies <laughs> to be able to do this call virtually through Zoom, mm-hmm. um, even less than that, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> we're going to choose that highest form of communication, which is video. But then if we can't do video, let's say that one of us has a bad internet connection, then we can switch to audio. If we can't do it through audio, then let's do instant messaging. And then if we can't do instant messaging, then let's go to email. And there are various, so email as an example is my preferred method of communication simply because I like to be able to structure my responses in a very methodological way. And sometimes a lot of the things that we have on messaging apps like Slack or Skype or whatever else, they don't really uh, communicate productivity. They kind of communicate the uh, disjointed conversations. So usually if let's say there's 10 messages that have gone past and for, uh, back and forth on Slack, I'll call someone instantly because it's right. faster for me to do a five minute call to get it solved rather than constantly being bugged by some new Slack messages that are popping up. Awesome. And, you know, so we have, we have reached, like, you know, the end of the show we, uh, soon. Yes. Already? Wow. I was so excited. Okay, cool. Uh, no, That's fine. I, I, I personally like to keep it, you know, uh, very, very slow around, you know, 20, 25 minutes. And we have been in 20 minutes. No worries. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, so I want to close this episode on a very high note. So, you know, uh, let's have like a quick round some of questions. And, you know, you just answer whatever's on top of your mind. And these are questions. Sure. Me, yeah. So, you know, so Liam, uh, like what's, what's the one tool that you love? 
one one SaaS tool that you love? Other than Time Doctor, my own tool, <laughs> yeah, uh, I would probably say one of the tools that I've loved recently is Crisp, K R I S P dot A I, and what that allows you to do is pull background noise from phone calls, and it is amazing if you have. Um, a digital nomad team, as an example, where there's a lot of sounds going on in the background. It's amazing. And it also, if you're just in a relatively noisy area, it's a, it's a fantastic tool. Amazing. I mean, I, I've used it too, and I loved it as well. And, uh, you know, so what, what's your favorite book, you'd say? Uh, with regards to tech, it would probably be Zero to One by Peter Thiel. It gives you one of the best frameworks you can possibly use for looking at how, how to build a successful technology company. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So, yeah, it was great. It was very great talking with you, uh, Liam. And, uh, you know, it, it was great to know that, you know, you're managing such a remote, uh, such large and percentage of remote staff. And, uh, you know, so uh, while we're at the end, so if anyone wants to reach out to you, so what are some of the best ways they can? Uh, best way would be go to timedoctor.com if you just want to check out Time Doctor directly. If you want to contact me personally, go to youtube.com slash running remote. Mm -hmm. And we're putting up two to three videos a week. Not only am I doing some videos about remote work, but more importantly, all of our talks are going up completely free. So if you want to check out what running remote is all about, you can go in there and you can consume that content for free. And if you send us, send me a message uh, on there, I will get back to you within hours. It's probably my most interesting new project with regards to social media. My feeling is it actually is the best ROI in terms of social media. And uh, I'm putting my money where my mouth is by actually going out and, and making some videos. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, so I am going to include all these links uh, in the description for the podcast so everyone can check out. And, you know, I am going to also include your LinkedIn uh, URL. And so if they want to connect with you on LinkedIn, they can. So, yeah, great. Cool. Awesome. So it was great, great connecting with you, Liam, and it was great hosting you on the show. Thanks for having me.